hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. You know we have been commanded by our Father in heaven to ask, and ye shall receive, to make all our wants and wishes known to him. Still, there is a need for judgment and for wisdom in how we pray and what we pray for. May I illustrate? Now, this story is on my daughter, Shana, and this was a long time ago. It was back in those days when my children were quite young and I was driving a truck part-time. On one particular, I think it was a Saturday, I was traveling back from Wyoming when my cell phone rang. I answered it. It was my wife wondering where I was. As we talked, I could hear one of the children in the background, one of the younger ones, saying, I want to talk to Daddy. I want to talk to Daddy. Finally, my wife said, Shana wants to talk to you. So she came on the phone. Guess what, Daddy, she said. What? I lost a tooth. You did? Yep. And then I said, you mean you've got a hole in your face now? Yep. Now, in order to understand this next part of the conversation, you have to understand that in our household, when the children were little, the tooth fairy was a frequent, mysterious visitor through the years. So my next comment won't be a surprise. I said to her, well, so how much do you want the tooth fairy to give you for that tooth? There was a pause. She thought for a second, and then matter of factly, you have to know Shana, she announced, $50. $50, I said, a little shocked. Yep, she said flatly, as if to say, I made up my mind, Dad, it's 50 bucks. It's not negotiable. I want 50 bucks. Well, After losing her tooth that afternoon at the Eastern Idaho State Fair, Shana had announced to her mother the following, Mommy, I'm all grown up now. I'm going to kindergarten. I can ride a two-wheeler, and I lost a tooth. I'm big now, end of quote. Well, I love that story, and I adore my daughter, Shana, who is now a mother of her own little one. But I share that story with you to illustrate a point. Sometimes I wonder if we get a little big for our britches with our Father in heaven. Maybe just a little thoughtless in our prayers. Maybe wonder sometimes if we don't just go to him asking for $50 answers when we're putting in 50 cent effort. I wonder if at times we don't take the time to think very carefully about what we're saying or sometimes we act as though God works on the same premise as the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus. I know you already know this, but the most perfect prayer is inspired prayer. It's the kind of prayer given to us by the Spirit, born of sincere effort, which brings our heart and our mind into union with our Father in heaven and brings us to ask for nothing more than what he already wants to give us. I have learned I'm sure you have too. Our Heavenly Father is not an indulgent Father. 
but he is a generous one. He won't spoil us, but he will perfect us. Elder Holland recently said this, there will be times, he said, in our lives when even our best spiritual effort and earnest pleading prayers do not yield the victories for which we have yearned, whether that be regarding the large global matters or the small personal ones. So while we work and wait together for the answers to some of our prayers, I offer you my apostolic promise that they are heard and they are answered, though perhaps not at the time or in the way we wanted, but they are always answered at the time and in the way an omniscient and eternally compassionate parent should answer them, end of quote. That was October 2020. God is always there, and sometimes we don't even notice that he's watching. This story illustrates. And, you know, I have to say, I love pioneer stories, and I've kind of gotten away from those a little bit, but I will be drifting back along the trail a little bit more as the days go by. The Ellsworth Handcart Company left Florence, Nebraska on July 16, 1856. There were 280 people, 56 handcarts, and four wagons. The wagons, of course, were for the purpose of hauling the company's supplies. In that company was Mary Ann Jones. She was 19 years old, and she recorded the following in her diary, quoting, The Lord was with us by his Spirit, for although tired and footsore, we could sing the songs of Zion as we went along. Some stomachs, she said, may recoil at a supper cooked with the water dug in a buffalo wallow and cooked with buffalo chips, but it tasted good to us. We came to an immense herd of buffalo. It seemed, she said, as if the whole prairie was moving. We waited for over an hour for them to cross the road so we could go on. And then this story. A very remarkable thing happened on the Platte River. One of the oxen died, and Brother Ellsworth was asking the brethren what could be done. Could they put a cow in the team so that we could go on? When one of the men said, look, Brother Ellsworth, at that steer on the hill, for there stood a big fat steer looking at us. Brother Ellsworth said, the Lord has sent him to help us in the valley. Go and get him so we can move on. They did so, and he worked as good as the others. When we got within two days' travel of Salt Lake, Marianne said, we met some teams sent out from the valley with provisions and to help us in. The next morning, when the boys went to round up the cattle to start, that steer was gone. They hunted for hours, but we never saw him again. He went as mysteriously as he came. Brother Ellsworth said the Lord lent him to us as long as we needed him. End of quote. Marianne went on and captured the intrepid spirit of those pioneers and why they made that arduous journey. She said, and I love this, she said, quote, We had reached the goal, and on foot 
all the way. I never left my handcart for a day and only rode over two rivers. We waded streams, crossed high mountains, and pulled through heavy sands, leaving comfortable homes, fathers, mother, brothers, and sisters. And what for? She said, to be where we could hear a prophet's voice and live with the saints of God. And then she concluded, I have never seen the day I regretted my trip. We arrived in Salt Lake the 26th day of September, 1856. I love that. So we could be where we could hear a prophet's voice. We are coming up on that day again in a couple of weeks when we can hear the voice of a prophet. What are we willing to do to hear a prophet and live with the saints of God? Next story. This is going to sound really strange, but I hope you understand. Have you ever pondered the principle of balance? I learned a long time ago when driving that, as I used to say to my students, there's a line on this side and there's a line on this side, and if you cross either one of them, you're going to kill somebody. The object in driving is stay between the lines from point A to point B without killing anybody. That's in driving. In the saddle, when you're riding, too far to the right, too far to the left, and the ground comes up to meet you. There is a place in the saddle to sit where you sit secure. In life, always there is balance. Well, balance is vitally important to every person engaged in a good cause. It's a part of the gospel. May I illustrate? We are commanded to improve our time while in this life, meaning that we're to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. We are to diligently strive every moment of every day to be better and do better. But at the same time, the Lord said, we are commanded to see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. King Benjamin said, Mosiah 4.27. In other words, balance. Okay, I get the concept of balance, but the question always bugged me. How in the world can you run faster than you have strength? I found out. I want to share with you a lesson I learned a few years ago. As I've mentioned to you before, I love to run. Every morning for about an hour and a half, I work out and run, and I absolutely love it. It is my therapy. I've been doing that now for going on 35, maybe 40 years. Sunshine or rain, cold or heat, I'm outside running. I am constantly in that, I don't know, maybe instinctively pushing myself to do better, be tougher, go faster, run further. Well, one morning, I got up to work out. And feeling my friskies, I pushed myself hard through my warm-up exercises, and then out to run I went. Since it was only 17 degrees outside, 
I dressed accordingly. I was determined on that run to push my distance as well as my pace, and on I went mile after mile. Then I noticed in the last two miles of the run, my breathing was becoming very labored. I was pulling hard. I sounded like a broken-winded horse. I could just barely get enough oxygen in my body. Yet, foolishly, I kept going. I pressed on, mind over matter. The farther I went, the harder it became. My form, my running form began to break down. It became sloppy and loose. I was running faster than I had strength. I made it home just fine. I showered and went on with my day. But a few hours later, I noticed that my feet began to hurt, then my lungs, and then my whole body. By that evening, I was roaring full steam ahead into a bad cold or the flu. I hurt everywhere. I could hardly breathe. And then it occurred to me that every winter, I do the same foolish thing. I push too hard. I run faster than I have strength. And I get sick, very sick, and it almost always comes after I've run too far too fast. And twice over the years, it has led to serious pneumonia. What lesson have I learned? During this time of pandemic, some of us have, at President Nelson's invitation, taken a pretty careful look at ourselves and we've tried to push harder, to do better, to be better, to more intentionally hear the Lord's voice and draw near to him. And well, we should, but not without remembering. Pushing ourselves is a good thing. But when we push too far, too fast, we don't gain strength. We weaken ourselves and become susceptible to subtle forces that seek to destroy us. Good is not just in what we do, but in how we do it. Balance. I hope that story makes sense, and I hope it is not construed in any way that I am contradicting President Nelson because I'm not. He would be the first to say the same thing. All right, next story. I will be the first to acknowledge, I don't understand God's individual plans for us. I get the big picture, but you know he has a plan for each one of us individually. A time to be born, a time to die, and certain things were foreordained to do. Sometimes, I confess, it all seems so random and at times even unfair. Well, I have to keep coming back at those times to one declaration by Nephi, which is, God doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of the world, 2 Nephi 26, 24. Sometimes it doesn't feel like what's happening is benefiting me, and no matter how much I pray, it doesn't change and I wish it would, and I have no idea what he's doing, and he's not telling me, at least not yet. And that's when I have to say, just relax and trust him. This next story is one of those where, don't know why, but thank heavens 
that God and his angels were watching. I share this story with permission. Cameron and Kim Hess. Friday, March 1st, 2013, started just like any other day. That morning, the two of them joined together in prayer, thanking the Almighty for his blessings and asking for the Lord's help in giving heed to the Spirit that day. Well, as Cameron went out the door to go to work, he felt impressed to add $2 to his wallet, something he didn't normally do. He did so. And then he got on his bike and he went to work. Now, his wife, Kim, had been having pain and swelling in her leg, and they agreed that day she would call the doctor. Well, she did, and she was referred to an urgent care because her regular doctor was unavailable. She went to the clinic, and at the clinic, the ultrasound technician scanned the same part of Kim's sore leg repeatedly. She sensed something was wrong, but the the, the technician wouldn't give her a straight answer. Then, finally, a doctor came in and told her that her leg was filled with blood clots, deep tissue thrombosis. He told her not to move, that if a clot dislodged and hit a vital organ, it could be fatal. Can you imagine news like that? What you thought was just a pain could be now life-threatening. She immediately sent a text to her husband, Cameron. And of course, his first thought was to get to his sweetheart as soon as possible, but he was a long ways away, and he was on a bike. Nevertheless, off he went, pedaling as fast as he could, feeling, he said, somewhat like Nephi did when he was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things he should do. He wanted to get there quicker, but how? He was so far away. And just then, he saw a city bus about 100 yards ahead, pulling away. That familiar voice inside suddenly said, get on that bus. Well, the thought seemed both imprudent and impossible, Kim said. He had no idea where that bus was going. And how was he ever going to catch it? And if he did catch it, What would happen to his bike if he left it behind? Then he remembered praying that morning for the Lord's help in recognizing and heeding the voice of the Holy Ghost. The Lord had spoken and Cameron was determined to obey. He began to pedal for all he was worth. The bus was far ahead. Then it turned a corner and disappeared completely. Weakening by the moment from the exertion, Cameron kept going pedaled round the same corner as the bus and then saw the bus far ahead, pulled over at a stop. He would never get there in time before it left again, but strangely, the bus just sat there. Cameron described the events that followed. Quote, Now, just seconds away, the bus's left turn signal began flashing, and I could tell by the driver's reflection in the large side mirror that he was waiting for me to pass before pulling out. The bus driver was surprised when an exhausted cyclist stopped at his window and asked where he was headed. He told me the bus destination, which wasn't too far beyond the clinic. 
and pointed out an empty slot on the front bumper bike rack if I wanted to get on. Figuring that even if there were no stops near to the clinic, then the end of the bus route backtracking to the clinic would certainly be quicker than pedaling from here. Still feeling amazed that I caught the bus, I excitedly secured my bike and climbed aboard when he saw the sign that said, exact change required. You can guess how what was the exact change. <laughs> Two dollar bills. Just the amount he had been prompted to put in his pocket that morning. Cameron said, as I sat pondering the uncanny events that had just experienced, another tender mercy occurred when the driver unexpectedly entered a freeway on-ramp. I was again astonished to realize, he said, I was on an express bus that was not only bypassing the many time-consuming bus stops and traffic signals of surface streets, but was also using the freeway diamond lane to travel significantly faster than the rush hour traffic. End of quote. And that's not all. Another tender mercy occurred when all of a sudden the bus driver exited the freeway, not on his regular route, and pulled up at the closest bus stop to the clinic. Cameron got off, and the driver went right back up on the freeway and right back on his route. When Cameron walked into the clinic, can you imagine, Kim was surprised that he had made it so fast. The clinic had scheduled an ambulance to take Kim to the hospital, but since Cameron was now here, he was able to drive her to the hospital himself in her car, saving her an ambulance ride. It's not over yet. They pulled up at the hospital just in time to be checked in at the regular admittance office moments before it closed, thereby avoiding an hours-long wait to be admitted through the emergency room. Everything had happened in just the right way at just the right time for just the right outcome. Cameron summed it up this way, and I think he said it well. No one but the Lord could have orchestrated all the events so precisely. I was humbled and awed by his tender mercy in answering our prayers, and I was grateful that I had exercised the faith needed to act on his answers to our prayers. Had I not promptly obeyed the Spirit that day, I would have missed out on seeing the Lord making bare his arm in our behalf and would have extended not only my own anxiety, but also delayed for Kim the timely comfort and support she earnestly desired from the person she most wanted by her side. End of quote. Well, they made it, and Kim is okay. Numerous other blessings, Cameron said, and mercies would be manifest in the days and weeks ahead. Cameron said, I think the best advice on weathering life's trials and setbacks, he said, and he quotes this scripture, search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good if you walk uprightly and remember the covenant wherewith ye have covenanted one with another. Section 90. And so they will. Cameron and Kim, thank you. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. 
If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.